We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is a perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll be able to get your show pushed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. Check out the description box for the episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here in the building with the old man, Andreas Hale. We just finished watching NXT TakeOver, so we're going to do an entire breakdown about that. We still have to preview both nights of WrestleMania. We have AEW to talk about, New Japan, and Gato. I don't want to say he's losing his touch, but we got to talk about the latest decision in New Japan but first, Dre, we got to start off. You know, we talk hip-hop, we talk music all the time. 
right now, what we know for sure is that DMX is in the hospital due to an overdose. There are reports coming out that, you know, he may have passed away, he may not, it, we don't know what is credible at this time, but we're at a place where we know he's in serious condition in the hospital, um, may or may not have like brain function, we don't know, but we can really revisit what DMX meant to hip hop and his career, especially in 99. I mean, he, he hit the ground running. For a second, I remember the debates where DMX or Jay-Z and, and X had a case, like a strong case. Yeah, I mean, I guess I want to start because as we're recording this podcast, yeah, you said reports, but they're just tweets. Like, there's just people tweeting shit about DMX being dead. And it's a really frustrating place to be when people who have no sources report that somebody's died. If I die, please, God, don't debate my death on Twitter, right? Like, just... This is, it's ridiculous because it's very reckless. Everybody wants to be in a race to say RIP somebody, but nobody wants to confirm the news. Yep. And, you know, there's people down there saying, well, maybe he is. Dog, I don't care. Like, until you hear from a reputable source, until you get a statement released by the family, there's nothing to talk about. He's hospitalized. That's all we know. Yep. Be respectful to the family. Because that's, that's the thing. Remember, you know, we're a little over a year removed from Kobe passing. And remember how quick everybody was on Twitter killing Rick Fox and kill, they just were killing everybody. Yep. And that, now you're ruining people's lives because if, if they aren't dead or if they have family that's close to them, you have people going crazy because Twitter, where a bunch of people are just talking and don't know anything, are speculating about somebody's livelihood. That's gross to me. Like, just wait. There is no rush to kill anybody. Just relax. So as we're recording this, you know, it's there's nothing confirmed. There's, there's you know, TMZ says he's in a vegetative state. Uh, Riff Kinnis flew out to New York, according to TMZ, which is actually a reputable source. Um, but other than that, we don't know. And I just, I don't like killing people prematurely. I think yeah. we need a little bit more respect for people's families, friends, and those that are close to them by not trying to be the first to tweet, rest in peace. That's clout chasing me, it's lame. So that said, when DMX hit the scene, he was almost 30, which back then was considered old. And Get At Me Dog and two albums in one year, uh, man was like an enigma. The Hard Night Life Tour, I just, he was like a lightning bolt. There was a time where he was bigger than Jay-Z. Like when he hit that scene, you know, Slip and Drop, which is one of the best songs in hip hop in, you know, in maybe the last 50 years. I mean, in top 50 song, maybe. That guy, he just was incredible. But the rise and fall was so swift. Not swift in like one hit wonder swift. But it was like, it felt like at that time, he was going to be here for a, forever. Yeah. And then life just kind of caught up to him. You know, uh, it's crazy because he was on a path to transcend who he was, even as a rapper. Like we, we've seen, you know, Cube go from rapping to Hollywood. Right. We saw um, Pac do it. But it, it seemed like a, a longer progression. Will Smith. We, we've seen this. LL. Ice. Well, Ice T. Everything. It seemed like a longer progression. It seemed like G DMX made the jump in nine months. 
Like he was putting out a new album every six months for like two years. And then I was like, oh, I'm acting. Boom, Romeo Must Die. And then into Hollywood. But then it just stopped. Yeah, I mean, it was part of the commercialization of hip hop too. Like at that time when DMX was big, so was hip hop. They were kind of coincided next to each other. When hip hop really became mainstream and people really stopped calling it fad. Because you remember like 94 with Nas, like these albums weren't like big albums. Illmatic wasn't a big album. Obviously, Biggie's was, and Life After Death was. But then DMX came, and this is when you had rappers not just topping the hip-hop chart, they were chopping topping the entire charts. And, you know, yeah, you talk about Romeo Must Die, Belly, of course, which is the greatest, worst movie ever. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, it looks fantastic, but the movie stinks. It's just a phenomenal-looking film, and it, it's got a ton of quotables for all the wrong reasons. It's a hood classic. But, yeah, it's exactly that. Between that and, like, I'm about it, they're like hood classics. But X was truly an enigma. And, but the problem with X was, if anybody, like I've told the story about DMX falling asleep during interviews, getting mad and pulling the cord out the wall. Yeah. And it was only feeding his vice. Like X had issues. He really truly had demons. And the industry doesn't help those demons. It feeds them. And, and when you have somebody like DMX who is fighting his demons on record in public, and remember, he got arrested for impersonating a cop. Like, there was so much shit going on with DNX, and it ended up being for our entertainment while that man is suffering. No matter how rich you are and no matter how successful you get, that money can't appease depression. It can't appease addiction. It can't, it just feeds them. It feeds them so much. So when DMX, you know, when he, when he fell off, I was never one person like, ah, he's one hit wonder, ah, he fell off. We always felt an attachment to DMX because he did fight. Like, the man wasn't afraid to cry on stage. Yeah. You know, that's the things that stuck with me more than anything else. Yes, I enjoyed the music. Yes, I listened to Blackout a lot. The, you know, the flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. Like, DMX has some bangers, right? But I think the person was so intriguing because we literally watched a man fight his demons through his music, become successful. And those demons never flew away. They stuck with him for the entire time. And it wasn't until we saw him with Snoop that we were like, he looks healthy. Man had a gut. You know what I'm saying? Like you yeah. see a man with a gut, you're like, I think he's doing all right. But the fucked up part is you never know. And this overdose was shocking to a lot of people because they go, I thought he was doing all right. But you never really know. Unless you know that man, you never really know and addiction is a bitch because you can't ever really shake it so you know hopefully i don't know if dmx is the vegetative state i don't know man i don't know what the the a great outcome is but you know he impacted a lot of people's lives and with his music and his his personality and, and just who he was um and it sucks to see that this is happening no it definitely does i mean some of my, I don't want to say earliest memories, but some of my fondest memories of just being young and being in New York and running around and being able to, I hung out with my uncle a lot and he was head of promotions at Rough Riders at the time. So like just being around everyone and just seeing how even in a room of quote unquote stars, because that Rough Riders roster was stars, right? Like Eve, Jada, like the rest of the locks, there was star power, Swizz. When X came into a room, everything revolved around X. Everything. 
like when you walk in a room and you command that type of respect, that type of attention, it's just one of those things that it's hard to explain. It's hard to tell people of it unless they've been in that position. He just walked into the room and you knew he was the guy. It didn't matter who was in that room. And a lot of the times, like we hear X like wilding out and barking on tracks and being loud. But the, the times like he really had to say something. It was low. It was that low. Yo, yo, son. Like it was just real low. And you're like, oh, shit. Like it's just he exuded power. Like the shit radiated. You could feel it. It was, it was crazy. So it's inexplicable. And I think that's why no matter how many relapses he had, no matter bouts with his demons he's had, everyone always wants him to come back. Everyone always wants him to be clean. They want to give him that chance because when you're in his presence, you feel it. And you're like, yo, it's just, it, it's too fucked up to lose someone like that over something, over a substance. You feel cheated. And, uh, and that's just as a fan or someone who's crossed paths with him. I can only imagine how you feel as someone close to him, his family, his close friends, um, his children. To, to see that, like, he's 50. He's my mom's age. So it, it's way too, way too young to go. So um, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll wait in our reports. But his career stands as it is uh, a fixture in hip hop. There's... There's, I'd say, maybe a handful, two handfuls of, of people in hip-hop where you're like, yo, that'll never be duplicated, right? Like, we're probably never going to see another Busta Rhymes. You're never going to see another ODB. You're never going to see another DMX. Like, the style, the, the voice, the flow, the emotion. On stage, three hours, no hype, man. Yeah. Nothing. Dolo. DJ Spinning Records. Him hitting every word of every song. No hype, man. Like, we're, we're never going to see another DMX. No, man. No. And, and, you know, DMX came at a time where it was truly was nobody like him. Energy-wise, the music, the voice, the style, he wasn't here to emulate anybody else. And, you again, you got to remember, like you're talking about, like, 98, 99. And hip-hop was really jiggy at this time. And here came oh, yeah. this filthy from the gutter rapper get at me dog was in the tunnel in new york and that video was just there was no shiny suits it was just dmx and a bunch of people wilding out wilding out i just think about all them rough rider albums and the scenario remixes they did and just the barking like there was there was just truly nothing like dmx i'm not here to debate his place on the greatest rappers of all time list. I could care less about that right now. Yeah. But just the individual and the impact he had on this industry as, an, as a person, not just a musician, as a person, is unparalleled. There's nothing like it. You can't compare it to anything else. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, he pulls through. But, you know, it's a lot to ask. Addiction is a motherfucker. It really is. And, uh, you know, a lot of us in, in our lives, have known people who've struggled with addiction, who've had to constantly fight addiction, overcome addiction. So um, we've seen it a lot in entertainment. What Whatever Exit State is right now, his spot in hip hop is solidified. His spot in culture is solidified. And at the end of the day, 
you know, money comes, money goes, fame comes, fame goes. He, he left his imprint. And people will be talking about him well past, um, you know, our lifetime, generations. Like he's, he will stay around. He would be in the consciousness for, for a long time. So, yeah, I figured we'd start by touching on, um, you know, just the career of DMX. But it is pro wrestling show. It is the biggest week in pro wrestling. So I kind of feel like we have to talk about pro wrestling. And we got to start it off with New Japan. Um, man, it's another, I don't want to say questionable. Last year's decision by Gato to put the belt on evil around this same time was questionable. Right? That was ill-advised. So that I'll reserve those words for last year. This year, we come out of Wrestle Kingdom. Again, we have a new champion at Wrestle Kingdom. And Kota Bushi are like, yo, Bushi's gonna get his run. This is the first pay-per-view after that, um, or excuse me, second after Wrestle Kingdom. I believe it's Obushi's first title defense, though, against Will Ospreay. And lo and behold. We just talked about Osprey like last week because they ran a, a pretty dumb angle with like domestic violence at the end. They turned right after that and put the belt on Will Osprey. And I, I'm a fan of Osprey the wrestler. I don't think this is the time for it. it. It was really fumbled on how, on many levels, on why now to put the belt on Will Osprey. And, and, take it off of Kota Ibushi and uh, I'll let you roll with it from here because the first thing you did was dive into your stat bag and talk about uh, what are the most prestigious championships we've seen in pro wrestling where hardly ever changed hands and now it's hot potato. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know if Gato's got Kobe brain or, or what's going on. For the past decade, there have been 14 IWGP champions. 14 in a decade. That's a little over like 1.1 a year. In the past year, there have been four or five. I can't remember. I think it was five. Wait. Um, well, it depends if you count Naito twice. So Naito, yeah, well, then I he count drops twice. it. Yeah, he drops it to evil, then after COVID takes it off of evil and then goes from Naito to Abushi, that's four. Abushi to Osprey, that's five. Five. Years. Five title changes in a year, four people. Five title changes. That's, that's what we criticize the WWE about. The titles don't mean much when you flip them around. Now, it's not even close to that level yet, but you take a title that has a great deal of prestige and often has, you know, long tenure champions and you start flipping the title around. And I, I just don't understand what we're doing here. I, I know the plans got messed up with COVID, right? I, I can understand that. The evil thing, you know, a lot of people can come to Japan to work and they had to move this thing around and figure it out. Evil wasn't the right decision. We all know that. But, you know, you blame the pandemic. This, I'm not sure what to blame this on. Will Ospreay, we all know, is an incredible talent. And then he moves up to heavyweight and he's, he looked phenomenal as a heavyweight. We know he can wrestle. But the New Japan Cup, ending with him 
hitting Bia Priestley with an Oz cutter for really no reason, just for effect, just to say, I'll do anything for this title, was a bad decision. We talked about it. It was just a bad decision. It was, it was kind of tasteless. Like, you can't really need to do that. Domestic violence, really? Especially with somebody who has kind of been dealing with the speaking out movement in pro wrestling. Yes. You got to read the room. So Osprey wins the New Japan Cup against Shingo. I didn't have a problem with this. That was a great match. But I figured we waited all this time to put the title on Ibushi. Not to say every decision should just be a foregone conclusion that Ibushi is going to retain, but it feels like a nice little run needs to be had. Because we thought the same with Naito. We waited all this time for Naito to be champion. Didn't take very long to pull the title off of him. And it makes you wonder what Gato thinks of these two. Because I don't know. Abushi goes through all of this, gets the title, loses it to Osprey at Sakura Genesis. And it's like, well, damn, Gato, did you even read the room? Like, I can't. The match was great. The match was really damn good. But it's hard to shake this finish. It's hard to understand well, what, what exactly are we doing here? And there's a lot of people think that, that the idea here is that they're pivoting back to Okada at some point because Okada needs to get his hands back on Will Ospreay. If that's the decision that we're making, I also think that's a bad idea. But then we also have the speculation that Obushi's, some people believe that he's not completely signed to New Japan. And I don't know what, what goes on here. Um, I have no idea. You know, people thought the same thing about Jay White and look where he is. He's back there. But some people think he's going to show up in AEW. Even then, I don't understand this title change. I do the United Kingdom with Jeff Cobb and the great Ocon and Tanari just joined. I like the group. I don't like this title change. I don't like seeing five title changes in a year especially when they've had limited events due to the pandemic. It's not like they've ran their shows like they usually do. So a limited amount of events, more title changes. Doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, I have no idea what they're going to do for G1. You know, we still got plenty of shows to go. You know, showing Yo won the, the, uh, the junior heavyweight titles. It was an okay show, but it was a weird, a weird show. And I, I love New Japan. I feel like they've been slipping lately. These cards haven't been great. They've been very top heavy. And now the, the flipping of the title, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if you're with me on this scale, but I, 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 it doesn't feel the same. Like we used to get super hype for a new Japan show. Yeah. And lately it's just like, eh, is, a, is there another show happening? It, it just hasn't had the same appeal. And that's weird to me. It's because we are at least on my end, right? New Japan was the most consistent model of how I normally digest television. So I knew Wrestle Kingdom was the start of a season, like a belt would change or the champ would, would keep going. And then I knew that it was a build. G1 was like the beginning of the second half of that season. And you rolled in and then that champion would pretty much be there for Wrestle Kingdom that next year to defend their title for and keep it for another year or drop their title. But it built for that year. I, I can't remember times where the belt was just randomly dropped the next show. Like it, when, maybe there's three pay-per-views all year where belts really changed hands outside of someone leaving. 
the company, but even then contracts used to be up the night after Wrestle Kingdom. So if someone's leaving, they drop the belt at Wrestle Kingdom. Like Abushi yeah. leaving two months after Wrestle Kingdom wasn't something that happened before. It's just not how they planned out. So I was very used to and regimented in this schedule. And then now it's just like, yeah, it makes no sense. Specifically for this one, again, I'm a fan of Will Ospreay. I've been a fan since he was doing nothing but flippy shit. Uh, I like the transition to a heavyweight. Uh, he bulked up crazy during the pandemic and added new moves, not just the Oscutter anymore. Um, he has a ton of moves. He moves that new finisher. Cool. But I feel like I've gotten heel Will Ospreay. Well, I was free for like three months. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. They haven't built on his stable, on him being a heel. They haven't built on any of that to make him deserving of getting the title. It's it's faster and more rushed than when they put the title on Jay White. And I hated that. Yeah, I, I guess the bigger issue, because, all right, I'm all for unpredictability. I, I don't look at shows and say, oh, we should have a title change here. I'm all for unpredictability. I think anytime somebody can lose the title, but not all the time. That's my problem. Like, you know, if, if you beat somebody at Secure Genesis or you beat them at Dominion or you beat them, you know, you lose the briefcase like Abushi did to Jay White. I'm cool with the unpredictability of it. But when it starts happening very often where it feels like, like there was a year in the WWE where it felt like the title was changing every goddamn week. <laughs> and it loses prestige because what does it mean to be a champion if you can't hold the title? Now we know these are preordained finishes, but you know, how do you value a champion if they just gonna take the goddamn title off of them in the next couple of weeks? Or and have if, them pinned constantly leading up to your bro, biggest pay-per-view of the year. We're not there yet. We're, Don't digress. Do <laughs> I'm not ready for this yet. We're like, like like WWE is just killing the idea of champions being special people, right? But in New Japan, like IWGP champion is super protected. It was a super protected thing. Not to mention, to take it a step further, they just made a new fucking belt. They just merged the heavyweight and intercontinental titles into this new divas looking title. Which I don't get. I like the IC title. Why get rid of it? Because you well, got a, if a you US s- title now? Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Well, you got to remember, right or wrong, New Japan had plans to expand into America major before the pandemic hit yeah right you put the title on moxley like they had big plans to start hosting more shows i think that last year's schedule was going to have more shows in the states yep and so that was the plan and they wanted to keep the never open way title because that's kind of it's kind of like your sanctioned hardcore match and they wanted to keep the junior heavyweight title they couldn't really find a purpose for this intercontinental title anymore because it started to feel like too many titles so they wanted to give us another american title to start establishing an American presence. So they unified the titles, which, all right, fine. I don't like the look of the new title, but I think we've come to the point where none of us like the looks of anything that's new. It's just the way it is. Anything that we see new, we're just kind of like, I don't like it. Well, we I mean, there's, there's ways to make it at least decent. Like, this shit's not really decent. It's not as bad as the TNT title at AEW. But, I mean, the, now AEW has the best-looking belt in pro wrestling. Yeah, it just, it looks big, right? Like, it looks yeah. like, it looks major. But this, you you just unify these titles. Abushi does a press conference, and a week later, he drops it. And you're just kind of going, what was all this for? Right? Like, 
it just didn't feel like a Bushi. Bushi had a cup of coffee with the title. It was the same thing with Naito. Like, we waited all this time for Naito to get the title. He did not have a sustained run. And no. it feels like he's pushed pretty far down the mid-card. Because now, Osprey, he's got his next two opponents lined up. Shingo and Okada. Yep. So, Naito's not even in the picture anymore. Where does Ibushi go? This, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like it. Unless the, unless Ibushi just kind of shows up on AEW or somewhere else next week, I can't understand this move. I mean, it's two weeks after Kenny Omega randomly dropped his name in a promo on Impact. So I get yeah. where people are like, okay, maybe he's going to the U.S. Maybe he is. But I'm not sure why, unless it's a sustained thing and he'll be in AEW or Impact for like a year, I don't know why you have to take the belt off him when it's really your biggest downtime between now and what, June? Dominion's in June. You're not doing anything. You have Battle of the Super Junior. Yeah. Like, that's all you're showcasing for the next month and a half. The guy has two months to be in America if he wants to be in America. Yeah. I so mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it. We'll, we'll see. We'll let it play out. But I, I don't understand. It seemed rushed. It seemed like they pulled the trigger too soon. Um, talking about AEW, we had AEW going head-to-head with night one of NXT TakeOver. We'll never have to say that again because NXT TakeOver is moving to Tuesdays. Um, I don't care about the TV ratings and the stats. I don't care. It was a good AEW card. I watched it this morning. I watched TakeOver Live, obviously. But looking at it, two things stick out to me. I feel like there's two things we got to really talk about. And that is Inner Circle versus Pinnacle and then the main event. Yeah. I mean, that's really all the show. They, they had some other shit on there. Like, yeah, I didn't care for anything else. Like, Death yeah. Triangle did something. Um, Darby- wait. It was that death triangle thing was weird because best friends came out and I was like, why are you even here? I didn't even know what was going on. So that's what I'm saying. Like the rest of the show, Max Caster and um, Hangman Page, I was like, it was it was a fine dynamite. They knew what they were up against. So, you know, it was what it was. It wasn't like a great show, but those two things were the most noteworthy things to discuss. Yeah. J.D. Drake got a title shot at Darby Allen. I don't know how he earned that. Yeah. He just randomly popped up. Gets a title shot. Um but then somehow Britt Baker asked for a title shot. She's on fire. And they're like, no, look at the rankings. But J.D. Yeah. Drake just got a title shot. Like, I, fuck if I know. So pretty much, again, those two angles are what sticks out. We will start with the inner circle versus the pinnacle. And Mike Tyson. So cool. Yeah. You bring Mike Tyson out. Try to get some more eyes. Try to steal some eyes. Whatever. I like the pinnacle. Now, even more so than before, I don't need the inner circle to be a thing. I understand now where they're leading and why they kept it together, because we're going to get, I was going to call it war games, but they don't call it war games, blood and guts. But I believe it looks like the original war games, small, you know, lower cage, two rings. Um, We're going to get a blood and guts match during, uh, what, May 5th? It's uh, whatever, the double or nothing. So we're getting that match there. So I get it. Five on five. You got a new crew. The crew that MJF just tried to hurt and split up. But at the same time, 
I feel like Sammy Rivera and LAX went right back into just being secondhand pawns when it was a good time to split them and actually make them ma major players. Um, I'm not mad at this. I thought, first of all, I thought Jericho had a great promo. Play was really good this week. I'm not mad at this, and I'll say this again. Pinnacle has to win. That If the inner circle wins and we continue going back down the inner circle road, then I got a problem with it. But like I said, when this angle first started, if you're going to give me LAX versus FTR, I will take it. Yeah. And in a blood and guts match, with them just beating the shit out of each other, I really think this is going to be a good match. I really think they're going to fuck each other up. But Pinnacle has to win. Inner circle, I know, I know like... AEW does this thing where they try to like give you a curve on the usual trope. They try not to break up things that you're supposed to break up. And they try to keep people together a little bit longer just to give you a little bit of a curveball to keep watching. Mm -hmm. But Inner Circle has run its course because LAX and Sammy Guevara are just entirely too talented. Unless they're just in title pictures, then I'm like, all right, cool. I guess you can keep Inner Circle together. But they're not. They're just there. But, you know, Jericho's a great promo with or without the inner circle. The people who suffer, Jake Hager suffers. I'm fine with that. He's going to suffer anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine with him suffering. But I I'm fine with this for now, because as long as blood and guts is really blood and guts, and they beat the dog shit out of each other, and then the inner circle goes about their way, I'll be cool with it. But if we revisit this in a month, and we have, we're doing the show, and the inner circle is one and they're continuing on. Yeah. I'm going to have different feelings about this. Yeah. I mean, the match isn't going to be bad, right? Like no, it's, it's, not, it's not possible. Like you give them their talented guys outside of Hager in the ring and you give them that stipulation. It, it's going to be a good match. So see where it's going. They set it up. Tyson punched Sean Spears. All right. Wasn't a bad segment. Um, it achieved what it, needs to achieve now hopefully on the way there that we on the way there we do get that tag team match that'd be a good headline for one of the AEW dynamites just give me the straight yeah. tag match lax versus ftr definitely um main event we have a tag match three well i guess three men tag match moxley and the young bucks versus omega good bros so I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, this automatically intrigued me off rip. I was like, yo, I got to watch this. I think I went and watched this match first. I couldn't avoid spoilers. I was online for NXT. So I saw the spoilers. I was like, let me watch the match. Cool match. The end, I'm not of this opinion, but I can play devil's advocate of, is it too much leaning on Bullet Club, which was a thing from five years ago? Because you have the Young Bucks super kicking and turning on Moxley. We get to two sweet with them, the good bros and Omega, and the band is back together. It's, you know, outside of Finn um, and AJ, I guess this was the third rendition of the Bullet Club. But there's so much history there. But you're kind of assuming that everyone in your audience knows this history. And it's not something that was really built upon. I, maybe it is by being the elite. I don't know. I don't watch that shit. So maybe it is. I might stand corrected. 
but it's it's leading towards you're leaning on something that was a very long time ago, which can be great sometimes. And sometimes it it could be the NWO and WWE, or sometimes it could be Triple H's version of DX, which was perfectly fine. So I don't know which way it's going to go, but devil's advocate in me saying you're putting a lot of eggs in this basket and hoping you can strike lightning can strike twice by putting the same group as the bullet club together again. All right. So I have a problem with it, but not for the reasons you outlined. I don't mind the, the boys getting back together. I don't mind the elite being back together with the good brothers in this rendition of bullet club. Don't mind it at all. I don't think leaning on is going to hurt because I think we all knew when AEW was formed, and it was the Bullet Club forming AEW essentially. Yeah, Bullet so, Club and Cody, randomly. Yeah, like I didn't give a shit, right? Like when when if they brought the Bullet Club to AEW, I didn't care. My problem is I don't care about the Young Bucks right now. This wishy washy back and forth, will he, won't he? Every week, they haven't committed one way or another to babyface or heel. They keep going back and forth, mm-hmm. and that is making me lose interest in the Young Bucks. It's not the angle, it's them, this, this tease, like, just fucking commit. Look, the best version of the Young Bucks are the Heel Bucks. Always has been, always will be. The new car scent of AEW is gone, and you can turn the Bucks heel, and it's okay. Just yeah. fucking do it. Stop going back and forth. One week, they look like heels. The FTR feud, we didn't know who was the baby faces and who was the heels. As the weeks go on, it's like one week they're the faces, then now we got this shit, and then they're throwing up to too sweet. Just shit or get off the pot. I don't need you to drag this shit out. If they're going to be heels, be the dickhead heels that you have always been. It's been the best version of the Bucks. You have Moxley. You have Kingston as a tag team. Death Triangle, for all intents and purposes, you can make them baby faces with an edge. If you if you wanted to play that Could. angle, I mean, yeah. you don't have to be like, cheer for me, please. But they're badasses, right? Like, they mm-hmm. could just go at it. You don't have to make them like dickheads like but the, the bucks should be dicks that's what they do they're dicks bullet club were dicks they weren't baby faces people liked them but they weren't baby faces i don't like the whole tormented thing right like oh we can't kick kenny oh we can't do... like we knew it was kind of coming with don Callis and him talking to matt and nick and then matt going back and forth and nick finally joining his brother like we knew what they were trying to do i just didn't like how long this shit dragged out just make a decision and hopefully this isn't an angle that ends up being like they continue to go back and forth over the next few weeks where. Oh, that'd be horrible. Yeah. Now they're arguing about whether they should be down with the boys or not, or arguing about Callis and his intentions. Cause that, that could very well happen, but I won't care because there's so much other talent that you have on this roster that it's okay to turn the bucks heel with the good brothers and Omega. And you just run this angle with other tag teams involved. It's fine. I just don't need your drama anymore. So do you think we get another Omega Moxley match at the next paper? Because by then, Omega is going to impact to get, that's also stretching them a little thin at this point, right? Like this is a, a, it was cool, but like a constant talent share every week is a little much. So he's going for the TNA World Championship, title versus title. I doubt he loses to Rich Long. So he's going to be a full-time champion in two promotions. Do you I mean, carry we, out the Moxley feud more? 
kind of have to now, right? With the with the betrayal, which then kind of logs jams, you know, pushing other people who are waiting for a title shot, like Christian Cage. When the hell is he gonna wrestle? I mean, look, I, I think I I don't mind seeing Omega on the impact. I don't that doesn't bother me. If he's wrestling Swan and he beats Swan, I don't care about that either. I think he could be perfectly fine doing all this. I kind of don't think he's going to beat Swan, but I don't think Swan's going to beat him clean either. I think well, something's going to happen. Swan gets the AW title if he wins, right? Yeah, it's it, a lot of shit that can so, happen. I, I don't think Swan is going to be the AW champion. So yeah. then I'm, I'm a little bit up in the air. I don't know, but I'm willing to let this one play out because I have no idea what's going to happen. So, and I'm I'm intrigued because of that. I that's what's got me intrigued. But stretching Omega Thin, no, nah, I don't see that. I do think it's more, we may actually see two things can happen. We could see Moxley and Kingston against the Young Bucks. Or, depending on how they play this whole thing with the Young Bucks, we see a triple threat tag team some kind of match between Moxley, Kingston, the Good Brothers, and the Young Bucks. If the Young Bucks continue to be conflicted. I... I don't think we're, they're going to tie up Moxley with Omega. The reason why, remember, Renee Young is with child. Moxley's going to be off of TV soon. Don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know. I just saw him bleed like 20 minutes ago watching Bloodsport with, <laughs> with Barnett. <laughs> he's getting his shit in. What, what Moxley's doing is getting his shit in because he is going to take some time off when that baby's here. I mean, that's what you do. Seth took time. Everybody takes time off when the baby's here. Yeah. He's going to, so he can't be cha- champion. He could challenge Omega again, but I don't know if it's totally necessary. Um, but I, I do think there's a lot to do with Moxley and Kingston as a tag team. And I think that, you know, an all violent ass, that shit could be great at double or nothing, depending on how they play it. But Moxley and Kingston, I think it's just, it will be fun to watch. Beat the sh- Moxley and Kingston against the Good Brothers will be fun to watch if they go that route. They'll just beat the shit out of everybody. It'll be fun. But I, I yeah, I don't I don't think like Omega, I don't think we're spreading them too thin. It's not like, you know, he shows up on impact, but come on, man. Impact's like short. And he shows up, cuts a promo, and leaves. They don't do much there. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm intrigued. I was a sacrifice. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm intrigued how that is handled, how they deal with Swan. Because remember, Swan got pinned by the one-wing angel. He did. 
you know, can you have your champion lose twice to the AEW champion? And at what cost? What's the trade-off here? Because yeah. obviously you're getting the good brothers on AEW. If you're Scott Demore and your your impact, you don't want to just get all your guys flushed down the to- toilet by AEW. So there's got to be a trade-off at some point. I just don't know where it is. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Um, let's hit our first break. We got to come back. We got to recap both nights of NXT TakeOver and then preview the two nights of WrestleMania and the amazing builds we have going into this year's WrestleMania. I know yeah, you're excited. <laughs> the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you, so you can always depend on us. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You guys don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We're talking NXT after this break. Hey, everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Road Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up, everybody? Back from the break, talking AEW, TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, Nights 1 and 2. Dre, 10 matches this year in total for TakeOver. Um, I, I think I undersold that. There was, oh yeah, 10, 12 if you include the pre-shows. I do not. But I feel like, and not to say, we'll cover each night, I'm okay with the traditional format i don't think and i hope we don't need two nights next year like i'm okay with the traditional five matches amazing a a plus caliber takeover cards without some of the fluff that we saw this year yeah the decision to do two nights to take over was obviously a market employee for peacock to get people involved because you put one night on tv you put the other night exclusively on peacock I get it from a marketing standpoint. From a show standpoint, this was unnecessary. It would have felt a lot better if it was a nice tight show with five or six matches, six tops. So we ended up getting like a few matches we just didn't need and we'll run down on the card. But as long as this doesn't become a recurring theme where like, I don't want to see two night everything, right? Like Wrestle Kingdom did yeah. it and then WrestleMania did it. Now take, I, come on, man. Just like WrestleMania, now they're trying to make this shit three nights. Trying to call <laughs> SmackDown like a pre Stop. Just one night. Just give me one night. I don't need your two nights. Just stop. 
TakeOver has always been better when it's a short show with a limited amount of matches that all matter. This wasn't that. No, I agree. It's, uh, it was long at times. I, I didn't need it, but it was one of those things where if you're on Wednesday and they're saying that, hey, SmackDown takes priority, obviously, on Fridays, two nights of Mania, if you want a takeover show, you have to do it on Thursday. It's like, all right, they put you into a box. Would I have preferred Wednesday to just be a recap show? Yeah. I think you could have had two of the Wednesday matches and a bunch of recaps and been fine. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I hope that's how we go about it in the future. But let's get right into this uh, pre-show excluded. But if we want to mention it, Zoe Stark defeated Tony Storm on night one. Cool. She finally gets a win. Uh, to open up the show, though, we have Pete Dunne versus Kushida. Ten-minute match. thought it was a great opener. Pete Dunne wanted to prove that he's the most technical wrestler in NXT and in the world. Few people better to go against for that than Kushida. And I thought they balled out. Great opener. Ended up being one of the better matches of the two nights. And Pete Dunne, Pete Dunne's Pete Dunne. He's a star. So I, I, I love that. I thought Kushida would kind of be better off with the win. But as the, the nights played out, I think you maybe get more options with Dunn winning that match. Yeah. So it's a good open. Um, and, I, and I give my butt. It's, the butt is, did it have to be a takeover match? No. It felt like it was just kind of put in here to fill up some space. They had too nice to do. Nothing was wrong with the action whatsoever. Dunn and Kushida are great. Dunn has always been excellent. Kushida is finally coming into his own as Dungaree Kushida in NXT. This match was, it was really, really good. There's no story. There was nothing there. It just was like, hey, I'm a better technical wrestler than you. And they tried to give us something for a reason to watch. Could this have been on a night of NXT? Yes. It didn't feel like a takeover match because there was nothing at stake. So good match, really good match. But it just could have been on in the regular night of NXT. Didn't need to be takeover. And that's what I'm saying. It's like you had two nice takeovers, and now we're just shoving matches in here to fill up space. You, you didn't need to. You could have put this match. Like if you would have done Wednesday as just regular NXT, had this match and the gauntlet match, and then spend the rest of your time building for Balor Cross and prime target Cole O'Reilly, I'd be fine with it. Yep. I there's nothing in me that goes, ooh, they're doing takeover on Wednesday. I don't give a shit. NXT is NXT. It's just not the same. It's not the same by saying there's two nights. So nah. And they could have moved the women's tag team title match and let's say the Walter Ciampa match to next week. That yeah. could have been saved for your debut on Tuesday. Yeah, it, it, these matches just didn't need to be there. That doesn't mean they were bad matches. It's just TakeOver has been known for being a nice, tight package of matches that all matter. In one way or another, they always matter. This felt like a main roster pay-per-view for two nights. And I was just like, eh. <laughs> and, and, I mean, the action was better. It's just the Kushida done match. I, I liked it, but you could have done this next week on Wednesday. And I thought the same thing. I was like, I would have been like, oh, this is a really good TV match. Yep. So, no, I, but I it, you're also right. I, I think Kushida kind of needed the win. 
I don't know where Kushida's going from here. I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's weird because I'm pretty sure he's he's fine with just having bomb ass wrestling matches. I'm sure of right. Yeah. Like this is what the hell he's there for. But also, it'd be cool to kind of grab a belt along your journey. Like yeah. I don't know if if he wins. Like say theoretically, he wins. Even if he he ran his program with Johnny already, that's run his course. But wouldn't he be a great foil to Santos Escobar? Right. Like, that's a pretty good program if he wins. So, I mean, you open up options for Kashida. That was really good. Done, I mean, done winning is done winning. It gives you high-profile matchups as well. It's just, I I just don't think he needed it. Every feud for done going forward, he could have had without this one. And it would have been fine. Yeah. So and then we have six-man gauntlet eliminator, Bronson Reed, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Cameron Grimes, L.A. Knight, Dexter Loomis, Leon Roth. The match was too long. But, I mean, you can't have a shot or short gauntlet match, I guess. No. But it was still just too long. This was a TV match. They could have did this the week prior. Yes. On NXT and not have this be part of TakeOver at all. You could have really just shrunk that card real quick. On, on television. Could have gave the tag team match a little longer. Could have gave the women's match a little longer. Just didn't need this at all. And uh, cool, they they swerved me, no pun intended, by having Bronson Reed winning it, pinning Isaiah Swerve Scott, who looked great in the match. Obviously, he's a great wrestler. Still don't know what the hell his character is, but he's a great wrestler. Some people who didn't stand out to me, um, Really won LA Knight. <laughs> it looks looks like he's gonna be there with Dexter yeah. Loomis. It, I don't get it. I just don't get it yet. I don't. Well, you hit the nail on the head. This was a TV match. Um, I was so confused by this finish. And there were people on Twitter that was like mad at me. People on Twitter were mad at me all for both of these shows. Um <laughs> But they were like, yeah, you know, it was unpredictable and Bronson Reed, Reed won and now he's got a match with Gargano. And I'm like, dog, there's no story behind it. I was like, that's the cool thing. I'm like, no, it's not. Your WrestleMania takeover is your big takeover. These matches should have some kind of culmination. Like, there's, there should be a culmination of a few, just not a match. Because I tweeted, it felt like, hey, Johnny, you can wrestle anybody, right? Well, we're not going to tell you who wins, even though he probably did. We're just going to give you somebody to have a match with. And like you always do, Johnny, Make us care about the match. And we, we'll talk about that later. He made us care about it on night two. But, man, I mean, fortunately, it wasn't Dexter Loomis because I, I would have loved to see how, if Johnny could pull that off. But <laughs> You can't make it that hard on Johnny. You can't make it easy on him at this point, but that, that would have been tough. That would have been tough. But, like, this gauntlet match, it just so, felt so unnecessary. And L.A. Knight, I, I, I said it already, it's over. I know some people are like, it's too soon. I'm like, dog. Quick. That's quick. Is they there that NXT is loaded with talent. They are loaded. And it's not like they're slowing down the train. Like there's still more people coming in. Yeah. And if it's, LA Knight can't make an impression and he's already losing matches, it's a, it's like he'll just be kind of like a jobber. He'll be Kona Reeves. Oh, whatever happened to Kona Reeves? Exactly. Yeah, that's bad. That's uh what was, the, what was the name of the Dominican cat who did the salsa dance? He threw like, no Way Jose? No Way Jose. It's like No Way Jose. 
Who is still somewhere on the payroll, I'm assuming. I don't know where he's at. But that's, that's the thing. It's, it's L.A. Knight was a guy who came in, and we were all like, all right, this name's stupid. And then he was like, I'm the hottest free agent. I'm like, all right, this is stupid. And it was like, you guys just had EC, EC3, right? And EC3 felt big, and you kind of fucked that up. So when I look at L.A. Knight, I'm just like, I can't see this getting very far, right? And it didn't. So Smash was what it was. Uh, Cameron Grimes, you know, trying to pay Swerve to be his partner, I thought was kind of fun. But, yeah, we didn't even do this at TakeOver. It just felt stupid. Yeah, that was definitely the best part of it. Like, no, I guess to end with Swerve and Bronson, they, they gave them some time for just themselves. And yeah, just they care. put on the show. Yeah, yeah like, it was I, good. It was just random. Just, yeah, like, and when I say I don't care, like, it's not, it's not that the work is bad. I'm just saying when you have your big pay-per-view, like your big event of the year, I feel like everything should matter. And when this match happened, I was like, this is cool. And it's like, we just had done in Kushida, and I didn't care whether they were wrestling, but it was a good match. And now we're doing it again with this. I was like, ah, come on, man. Give me something to chew on. Like when Wrestle Kingdom happens, everything matters, right? The previous takeovers, just about everything matters. There might be a debut and you'd be like, oh, I get to see somebody squash somebody. That's cool. But for the most part, everything matters. Here, it was just like, all right, now we got another match. And I'm just like, I don't care. Stuff is just happening. Yeah. That's pretty much Stuff is just happening. And then... um, we get that followed up by Walter and Tommaso Ciampa. Another one. Good match, though. Good match. Yeah. Imperium yeah. had beef with uh, Ciampa, I guess. So they called in big bro Walter from overseas. Like, yo, we got a problem. Walter shows up, chops the shit out of Ciampa. We get a match. Good match. Weird ending. Boy, oh, boy. This is what people are on my head about. (laughs) (sighs) You set the the wrestling Twitter on fire with that. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Because if you're listening, you have a problem with what I said. Let me explain this to you guys. I've been watching Walter for a very long time. Walter's been chopping the shit out of people for a very long time. And it's never been his finish. Now, I'm not saying that your finish should always be your finish. I do enjoy when a wrestler deploys a different finish. However... This Ciampa match was booked with Ciampa having absolutely no chance of winning this match with zero momentum heading into the match. The only tie that he had was with Timothy Thatcher, who made no appearance in this match, was not really even mentioned in this feud. Yet and still, for whatever reason, Tommaso Ciampa gets an NXT UK title match against the longest reigning champion in the company. Right? So we have this match, and he hurts his hand. Walter hurts his hand, and he's not able to chop like he wants to. Cool. Like, he chopped the, the announce table and broke it in half. He was like, didn't you see him chop it? If he did that, listen, Walter has been chopping the shit out of people <laughs> for years. This is nothing new. Him chopping that table is nothing new. And he missed. He hurt his hand. He couldn't use a chop. I don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with are two things. Tommaso Chairman got a lot of offense in it. And I'm not saying he was supposed to get squashed, but he did get squashed by Karrion Cross, if anybody remembers. Cross just kind of steamrolled him. Chapa hasn't really been the same since. He's just kind of been losing. Yet here he is in the UK title match against the most dominant guy the NXT UK scene has had. 
and a man who has yet to be pinned. So we have this match, and it's a good match. It's, it's not a bad match. If you take away the fact that Chomp ain't won shit for, in a while, it's a pretty good match. Mm-hmm. Now, the my problem is a man with no momentum in this closing stretch, Walter's finisher is the powerbomb, and has put a ton of people away. Chomp eats not one, but two power bombs and kicks out. At this point, I'm like, all right, what the fuck are we doing? Because I get it if it was like Ciampa was still champion or Ciampa was on a winning streak, like, and it built up to feel like, oh, well, he, you know, he can endure anything. But Walter's been obliterating people. He chopped Dragonov at least 19 times with his strong hand. <laughs> at least. You know, real quick, that's another thing that pissed me off. Tommaso Ciampa was way too tan. You don't yeah. get to see the chop marks on the chest. <laughs> he was too fucking tan. It really bothered me. He shaved his head. So he wasn't old man Chompa that we complained about before. But he went to the tanning booth and got like three twos, if anyone watches Friends. Uh, like he was way too dark. And it was ridiculous. You can't see the chop marks on his chest. Walter's chest, bright red. Tomasa Chompa's chest looked normal as hell. Stupid ass spray tan. Continue. <laughs> so... Again, you know, Walter's chop dragging off. Walter comes in and obliterates people with chops. He doesn't pin people off of chops. There's a, a spot in this match where, yes, I know it wasn't a strong hand, but he chops the fuck out of Ciampa. And Ciampa just hooks up. And at that point, I'm like, all right, what really, what are we doing here? Because I can't figure out the psychology of this match. I get it. You're trying to say Walter's injured his hand. He's got to use his other hand. But Ciampa hooking up just felt absurd to me. And Chompa kicking out of the two power bombs felt absurd to me. And then he gets up. Walter puts him in a sleeper suplex, which is a pretty good move. Never really been his finish. And then chops him. And then that's it with his hurt hand. And then I tweeted, Walter won with a chop. And I had, the, you know, uh, the face, okay. And people's like, have you ever seen what? Motherfucker, I've been watching Walter wrestle for a long time. He's just never really, he's, He's hit people with 10 times more vicious chops and they come back. And if, if Walter was hadn't landed a chop for the entire match at all, like the I get it, man. But it's like, it's kind of like AJ Styles finisher changing into the phenomenal forum when he used to use it all the time in a regular ass match. In yeah. impact, he just did it all the time. Then one day they were like, this is going to be your finisher. And I got it because in WWE, they wanted the look of AJ flying through the air but we all knew the Styles Clash was a mo- more devastating finishing move. Yep. The phenomenal forearm is that's not really a finishing move. But <laughs> you want to get pissed are. off? I just saw a countdown. I think you watched it too. It was like the greatest ranking every WrestleMania match, worst mm-hmm. to best, right? And then mm-hmm. on there, like 51, I think, it was Styles versus Shane McMahon. And the match was better than it had any business being. That's how good AJ Styles is. But it's funny because they were capped the match and AJ Styles hit Shane McMahon with the, with a phenomenal forearm. Shane kicks out. Then he hits him with the Styles clash. Shane kicks out of the Styles clash and AJ has to hit him with another phenomenal forearm to beat Shane McMahon. That, that is exactly <laughs> what was my problem with this match. That's exactly like Walter had to hit him with two power bombs and this motherfucker kicks out. That's Walter's finisher. Dragunov was not done off of chops. He was done off of a power bomb. Walter gives him two to make sure the job is done. He kicks out, and then he ends it with one chop. 
Yeah, like Walter finished dragging off with a powerbomb in that big ass splash that nobody yeah. gets up from. And it just it just irks me because like it, it's exactly what you said. When Shane kicked out of that phenomenal form, I was like, get the come on, man. Come on. And again, me, I'm not saying everybody who watches wrestling should remember shit like I do with certain matches, but when I watched Karrion Cross absolutely annihilate him, like he annihilated Tommaso Ciampa. Yes, Karrion Cross is now champion. Still, he annihilated Ciampa. Got like hardly any offense in that match. Then I see Ciampa, who's on a losing streak, basically kick out of like everything and hook up. Come on, don't don't do this. Don't do this to Walter's office. Don't insult my intelligence. Yeah, and people like people were like, let's ratio him. He doesn't know who Walter is. Don't be stupid. I do. It's just you guys. <laughs> we, we can't. We can't like modify finishers to make you know it's like oh but the chop could be a finish anytime that is true if i would have seen it like him and Dragunov had like a match of the year and everybody fucking saw that match and Dragunov survived all those hard ass chops now he chops him with a you know the 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 weak hand and that's what gets the finish now uh wasn't buying it wasn't buying it, it was the big again the big issue was why well, was chopping this match to begin with to just have a, sh- a wrestling match on this card with Walter in it. I wish he had a feud. This was Walter a- or Ciampa? Walter, not Ciampa. I wish they did something where it was just like, oh, Walter, you know, is wrestling. Like Walter versus Cross. You know what I'm saying? Like Walter's already wrestled done, so we can't really do that. But somebody yeah. that had some kind of momentum. Like, dude, I'd have been totally fine if it was Walter versus Cross versus Balor. That feels like takeover big. It does. It just... It was just a match, a takeover. It wasn't WrestleMania takeover Walter. The last time we saw Walter wrestle at a WrestleMania takeover, who he wrestled? He beat Pete Dunne. Yeah. I guess that was like, I had to think to see when was the last time. New York, Pete Dunne. Yep. Wow. So, I mean, it's been a while. It's nice to see Walter, but you're right. Made no damn sense. Then the next match, we had MSK. Uh, Wesley and Nash Carter. <laughs> Wesley. Uh, the Rascals. Shout out to the Rascals. Uh, versus Grizzle Young Veterans versus Legado del Fantasma. For the vacant NXT titles, I thought the match was great. It was as good as I could have hoped. Going into it, I saw a lot of people asking, like, oh, you don't need Legado del Fantasma in this match. Blah, blah, blah. Shit. Yes, you do. I thought they would look great in the match. And I thought, after what has probably been a year and a half of no legit tag teams in NXT, their divisions have been barren for a year and a half. Yes, it should be three tag teams because these tag teams are going to feud for the next two years in some capacity. So I liked it. I, I thought the match was great. Um, the spot by Legado where they did the one jump through the rope, one jump off of the turnbuckle to the outside, that shit was crazy. Yeah, this this was like your your tag team sprint match that you need. MSK was the right team to win. I don't care if they just got here. They needed to establish new tag teams. And it's evident because, you know, night two, they had uh, Killian Dane and Drake Maverick beat Breeze Angle, and they're going to be the number one contenders. Like, all right. They're not a horrible how, tag team, by the way. I'm just saying. Like, you know, you, you know who needs to get some, some love in this NXT tag division? Your boys, Everrise. Yes. Yes, they do. That just they have to be the fourth one in this mix. They, I'm just saying, like, you have room to, to get them in there. But anyway, this match was a sprint. MSK does some shit. 
Like, I don't know if Tesla does some shit. Grizzlefin, young veterans do some shit. Like, when I was writing my recap, I was like, I can't write all this shit. They just did a bunch of shit that you should go out of your way to watch. It was a fun match. It was a sprint. The right team won. I have no problems with this. It was. It won't be a, like a match of the year contender, but it was a really good match to watch. And it shows how – I can't call him Wesley. Desmond Xavier. Desmond <laughs> Xavier – like, this kind of scares me. Desmond Xavier – is the Montez Ford already of NXT. Yep. And now we look at Montez Ford and the Street Profits on SmackDown, and they aren't doing anything anymore, which is so strange to me. Because Desmond Xavier, you look at him, just like you look at Montez Ford. He's got the look and the ability. He's in a tag team, which is fine. And I Jordan off. It's like no disrespect to Angela Dawkins. <laughs> like, no, like we know who the star of the tag team is, right? Yeah. He but retweeted me on something the other day. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to drop, like, all my little cheap shots at Angela Dawkins. No, Shout but, out to him, though. We're losing weight together. Yeah. Look, the, the tag team, but we know. Like, we see it. Like, you can see it. Desmond Xavier looks like a, a guy who could break out. Yep. Desmond Xavier and Ricochet had, like, ex- excellent matches like PWG. So, this... As long as they don't just kind of shoot them up to the main roster, it'll be fun to watch MSK. Like, I would love to see MSK and the Street Profits get it on at some point, because I don't know what the fuck is going on with Street Profits on the main roster. Yeah, they're doing that whole tag team shit, but it's like, they had the tag titles, they were hot as shit for a week, and then they lost the title for no reason, and just nothing. And the tag titles disappeared since they lost it. Yeah. Like, it makes no sense. The Dirty Dog, man. They just booked themselves into oblivion with that angle. But the right tag team won here, and I hope they can find a few more tag teams for MSK to feud with. I think so. Really good. I think, again, they just got there. So I, I think yeah. they're there for a while. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any, like, oh, rush them to the main roster. Like, they're no. young, they're fun. Uh, it's just the resurgence of that tag team division. Definitely. Just get, get Everize in there. Let my boy shine. And then uh, in the main event, Raquel Gonzalez, versus Io Shirai. Man, this thing has it listed as 12 minutes, 56 seconds. I thought it was longer. I thought they gave him more time. I, I enjoyed the match. Thought it was really cool. Io Shirai is fucking nuts. Jumping off of the skull. Like, she's she's one of the best in the world. And it's all right. They, they gave the belt to Big Daddy Cool, Raquel Gonzalez. But, I mean, what do you do with Io? Just not main roster. But I mean, you know, this is, I think she stays down, honestly. And I don't, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of just putting fucking tag teams together because they're the same race or anything. Like, I'm not trying to do that. But they just signed, what is that, Sheree? Sarai? Yeah. From Japan. She's amazing. Her and Eel could be a tag team going after the tag team titles until they work her into a program. Just keep Eel on TV, and I think that's a pretty good way to showcase new talent as well, similar to what they did with Balor and Samoa Joe. This match was good. This was a really good match. Eel Sarai is, like Johnny Gargano, it's just really hard to have a bad match with Eel Sarai. Yeah, yeah, you really got to choose. Yeah, you really have to go out of your way to fuck it up. Like, you really have to be like, I'm, I'm really just, I'm going to sandbag you. I'm not going to do anything. But this was a good match. Clearly the best match that Raquel Gonzalez has had. 
Um, did the right person win? Mm, yet to be seen. I feel like Raquel Gonzalez has a lot of Shayna Baszler in her in terms of she's got the title kind of soon. She might have some stinker matches, but I feel like there's, there's potential. It's obvious. There's potential there. I don't know what we do with the Oshirai. I have no idea. Um, you know, my qualm, like this match, dude, remember, listen, guys, I don't know what the fuck happened. Raquel Gonzalez pins Io Shirai at War Games. And the entire build of this match completely avoids this, the, this part of the match. <laughs> yeah. They don't say anything about this. They're like, Io, why did you choose Raquel Gonzalez? Because she's an up-and-coming star. No, because she beat you at War Games. That's the story. It's like they went out of their way to try to avoid the story until Wade Barrett, with two minutes left in the match, goes, oh, God, this is like when Raquel Gonzalez beat Io Shirai. And I tweet like, thank you. Somebody said it. <laughs> you Somebody still, remembered this happened. Right. It's like, dude, Raquel Gonzalez beat Io Shirai at War Games. She pinned her. That is the story going into this match. It ain't that hard to figure out why Io would challenge, as the champion, why she would challenge Raquel Gonzalez. I don't know why they avoided this. I have no idea. But the match was the match, and the match was really good. And EO jumping off of things is always going to be entertaining to me. As soon as Raquel Gonzalez kicked out of the moonsault, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, it's over. And, you know, they, they went on powerbomb. It looks good. I don't yeah, know who I, mean, I don't know who Raquel Gonzalez faces next, though. Well, I mean, we're going to get a Dakota Kai face turn at some point. Yeah, and I mean, those two have to feud. Oh, that was the other thing. It kind of felt like Raquel Gonzalez was going to win this match. I mean, you know, kind of felt it because they kept talking about how long EO had the title and Raquel's a new yeah. up-and-comer, and it was like, all right. But Raquel Gonzalez's interview before TakeOver started was a very babyface interview. It is. She won, and she was crying tears, and they treated her a little babyface. Yeah, so, like, but the, the interview before the match played her as babyface, where she's like, I'm out for respect, and, you know, da 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 and I respect Io Shirai, and I was like, this is weird. This sounds like she's going to win. Now, I know some people will say, well, you know, Sasha's a heel and she cries. It's different, right? This is not Sasha Banks. Yeah. But it just felt like, all right, is this kind of a move to babyface? I, I, I'm i not sure. And if you go the Dakota Kai route, it feels very early for that. So in the interim, she's got to face somebody. So I don't think it's Shotzi. It could be Ember. If she's... Uh, yeah, they still tough. got the titles. It's tough. It's... I mean, they, if you're, they if can you're, still do a one-on-one. Yeah, if you're leaning, trying to make her more baby face on some respect stuff. I mean, there's Tony. Storm. I don't know. Tony just lost on a fucking still. pre-show. So I mean, yeah, there's Tony. If you want to go that route, I, I mean, to me, you just make Dakota Kai start being jealous. Like that's I, you started now because you know what. Raquel Gonzalez isn't long for NXT. She's, no, but that kind of been sucks. in developmental for a while. Like she, she has been. Like she's only been on TV for so long, but she's been there for a while. I think she's like three or four years in the system. So she's capitalizing on what they saw, and her body type, how she looks, the demeanor—that screams main roster and something Vince would want. So this is kind of like when they put the belt on Keith Lee. It was like, yo, we're just doing this shit because you're gone by SummerSlam. So here, have this title. Feel really good. Remember, the same time last year, 
Yo, they're putting every belt on Keith Lee. And he was gone at SummerSlam. Now he's gone for real. Now he's gone for real. Lord, I hope he's fine. I don't know where he went. But then Raquel Gonzalez wins the tag titles one week, drops them. Randy gets thrown into the main title program the week after. Two weeks after that, wins the main title. She's gone at SummerSlam. Gone. I don't think so. I don't think I so. I think so. I think she's a rat. They gave her every belt so they could say she has nothing else left to do. She's a monster. She will lose to maybe she beats Dakota Kai on this turn. Maybe she goes babyface, Dakota Kai goes heel. And then the next person to challenge her beats her. She's gone at SummerSlam. I, you know what? I'm not going to say it's unfathomable. It could happen. I do think it's the wrong move. I yeah. think if like rushing dude, anyone is the wrong move. But yeah. yeah, like, you know, the dude, Bailey doesn't have a match at WrestleMania. So what the fuck makes us think that uh, Raquel Gonzalez is going to do anything on the main roster? You know, so you you have like NXT's women's division is just gave us these tag titles and there's like no tag teams. So it's like she can't I wouldn't I don't want to see her leave. So it, it doesn't make any sense. There's work. It's like she could stay. I think she still needs to sharpen up her skills. I mean, we look at what Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax, yeah, the, the tag team champions, but, hey, I mean, what are they really doing? This is not what we expected Shayna Baszler to be doing. This is random as shit. Yep. So when you look at Raquel Gonzalez, like, all right, you put her on, let's just say, you put her on her main roster. Now, Becky Lynch will be back at some point. And obviously there's Charlotte and there's Sasha and there's Bailey and there's Naomi and there's Natalia and there's Lana and there's the Riot Squad who never get enough time. And there's Billy Kay. And there's Ruby, you know, there's a uh, Nikki Cross. Where does she fit in at? I don't know. I don't even know where Ricky Nikki Cross went. Shit, Nikki Cross is like trying to she's figure tight. out. Yeah, she she just wants the rest. Yeah, like th- it's frustrating. So if you keep adding women to this pile, there's no nowhere for them to go, which is crazy because you have five hours of television, and you can't figure it out. So Raquel Gonzalez, just like Keith Lee, and I know whatever's going on with Keith Lee, he's had some injuries, but I don't think they had big plans for him at. WrestleMania. I, I just think Vince wanted another toy, and now he got the toy, and he was like, "I don't like his gear," and kept changing his gear every week. And now we don't know what they're gonna do with him. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's tough. Let's go. Matter of fact, we're gonna take a break. Let's hit a break. Come back. Recap night two, and then we'll figure out what we're doing for WrestleMania. So you guys stay right there. Another quick short break. Come back. Talking night two of NXT. We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we are back talking NXT Night 2. 
you mentioned this before the break. Killian Dane, Drake Maverick defeated Breezango. They're the number one contenders to the tag titles. Yippee. Drake Maverick is still wrestling. That's the best thing I could say. They gave him the contract. He had a feel-good moment for like two weeks. And I was like, shit, they're just going to do nothing with him. No, they found something to do. Um, I don't know how this ends up, but I really need Killian Dane versus Walter. In the UK, not even NXT. Fuck it. If you want that for a takeover, give me that for a summer takeover. I just need those two to go at. That's overdue. And, and Walter's running through opponents like nothing. So that's a fresh matchup if we want sure. to go that sometime down the line. Um, then we have first televised match, ladder match, Santos Escobar versus Jordan Devlin for the undisputed NXT Cruiserweight Championship. I thought the match started off really well. There were some spots in the middle that was kind of unnecessary. Um, the run-in to me didn't need to happen. I thought Santos was, could stand on his own. Dome. It was yeah, a I, dome run-in. I thought Escobar could stand on his own. Um, again, though, some good spots in the match. I like the finish, even if it's just a headbutt. Like, Devlin was folded in that ladder. I thought that was cool. And then I thought the right person won. Santos Escobar stands on top of the ladder, both titles. And it's like, yeah, let's do it. Like, now it's it's what the Cruiserweight division needs on NXT. My problem is, is it's been, I know you don't watch. Um, it's been five weeks since he's been on 205 Live. Like, your champion should appear at some point. So I don't know if he ever goes back or floats. He, it pains me. He feels too big for 205 Live. So these belts are exclusively on NXT. And I feel like with Swerve looking great on night one, Kushida's another guy had mentioned, there's enough challengers to keep rolling through for Santos Escobar and never have to look back to 205 Live. So I don't know. It's, it's, I'm in a weird spot. You don't give a fuck about this. But for the people who watch 205 Live, it's like this could be the death blow because I, I think it's too big to go back. All six of you. Um, <laughs> holding it down. I had really high hopes for this match because I think Jordan Devlin is a really, really good talent. Even though there's like sex pest and rumors and all that shit. In terms of wrestling, he's really good. And Santos Escobar is great. They had a ladder match to unify these titles between two guys who had never met in the ring since they were in NXT. Devlin... Left, Santos won, never lost a title. And they do this match. I was disappointed in the match. I thought it was going to be so much better because we know what Jordan Devlin can do. We know what Santos Escobar can do. It wasn't a bad match. I just thought it had so much more. That run-in really upset me because it did absolutely nothing to the match. Because Devlin got, you know, because they're both heels, first of all. And then Devlin gets assaulted. Well, they got Odell Fantasma. And then he just kind of gets up and throws a ladder at Santos Escobar. <laughs> and there's no rules in the match. There's no rules in the match. Why did they leave? They could have just stayed and beat the shit out of Jordan Devlin, right? Like, that's, that's, wouldn't that make sense? There was no logic in this. Like, I, for me, I was like, when, when they attacked him, I was like, well, who's going to help Jordan Devlin? It's three against one. Yep. And it's it. Got a little fantasma was like, all right, fellas, we're out. And they just left. And Jordan Devlin gets up and just throws a ladder. And I'm like, this is 
dumb. And that's where the match completely lost me. That in the spot where we clearly see the referees holding the ladder as they're getting ready to do the Spanish fly off the top of the ladder. I was like, all right, y'all are bugging. This could have been a much better match. My actual issue with the match is the finish. Santos Escobar did not need to win this match at all. Really? Really. Like, I mean, it's definitely going to take the belts back to the UK. Like, what no, 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 no. Santos Escobar is primed for a North American title run with Johnny Gargano or somebody else. He's too big for the cruiserweight division. The cruiserweight division needs to be left to Cameron Grimes, Kushida, Swerve, Leon Ruff. Those are guys who need something to do. And if you want to put them on 205 Live, it's not really a problem. Mm-hmm. But you look at Santos Escobar, and it, the guy is money, completely money. The 205 title is like putting a glass ceiling over him. He could rock in a North American title program. If Gargano was a face, I don't care. Just picture it. Gargano versus Santos Escobar? Come on, man. Yeah. He's bigger than this Cruiserweight title. So Jordan Devlin could have won this title. Santos Escobar could have taken some time off, whatever, and moved his way into a major t- I mean, shit, man. You could you could do Santos Escobar versus Finn Balor. You could do Santos Escobar versus Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole. Like, you, there's so many possibilities. You're Santos limited- versus Gargano. Tomorrow, sign me up. So, you're limiting Santos's ceiling by keeping this 205 Live title on him. Whereas if you put it on Swerve or Cameron Grimes, it kind of helps them. They need this exposure. So Jordan Devlin could have won the titles and dropped it to one of them. And now you kind of open up the 205 division with these guys. And Santos moves into either a North American or an NXT title position, challenging there. And the guys who need the enhance not enhancement, but they need that extra boost and can you be on 205 Live and makes things interesting and develop their characters, they're fighting for this title now. Because right now, Swerve ain't got shit to do. He ain't mm-hmm. do- him and Leon Ruff aren't doing nothing. Cameron Grimes is as great as he is. You know, Cameron Grimes would be perfect with a 205 Live title. Perfect. With his money and shit, perfect. <laughs> he would. <laughs> he would. He'd be a good opponent. Yeah, so nothing like the match was underwhelming. I just think the wrong guy won because I just see so much potential in Santos Escobar. I see this, like, unfortunately, this sucks to say, but he is like the new version of Andrade in NXT with the Mm. the mask, the entrance, like, and when Andrade came out as La Sombra at TakeOver. Fire. Yeah, and we know he can wrestle. The thing that that, uh, Santos Escobar does that uh, Andrade didn't, would speak English pretty damn well. He can kind of hold his own. And and for me, I don't care, but I know for like Vince and they, they want somebody who speaks English. Yeah. Santos Escobar is a package, man. He's the package. 205 Live should not be his ceiling. That should be his floor. And we yeah. need to move him off the floor and get him up. I agree. That's why I think him having the title effectively kills 205 Live because it's yeah. beneath him. It's like there's no reason for him to go back. And if yeah, the champion is not on the show, you effectively kill the show. And I think that's just what it is. That's the belt is on someone who is too big and too good to go back. Yeah, agreed. So um, we had that match. Again, decent match. Then we had Ember Moon, Shanti Blackheart. 
versus The Way, Candice LeRae and Andy Hartwell, um, women's tag match. Another one that could have just been on television. But mm-hmm. if we have to say anything about it, Shotzi Blackheart is a mad woman. She does a dive through the ropes. No one catches her. Candace and Indy part like the rest. <laughs> and Shotzi just hits the barricade hard as hell. Just kind of slides down the barricade. I'm like, oh my god! Uh, didn't stop her though. Like she's just she's crazy uh, yeah. in the best of ways. Yeah, so they I mean, win. They maintain the belts. Cool. I like it. It's it was just a match to have the belts on the card. Yeah, I mean, aside from Shotzi killing herself, I gotta say this about Ember Moon. Ember Moon is the melanated Italian because. I can't, nobody can figure out what the gimmick is. It feels like she's going to be involved with different tag team partners like every other week. That's what Natalia does. Every week she got a new tag team partner. Mm-hmm. Ember really has nowhere to go. And I can't, I don't know who to blame for this. Like, I can't, I don't know if it's her or the booking. Like, nobody can figure out who she is. But she's a good wrestler. Like, Natty's a good wrestler. But it's just like nothing there. So it's really all about Shotzi. Indy Hartwell's green as shit. They hit her well in this match. She didn't do a whole lot. She took some offense. She did some tag team shit with Candice LeRae. And you're absolutely right. This was a match that did not need to be on the show, which makes me go back to what I said weeks ago. Do we really need to introduce NXT women's tag titles? No. I mean, but if they ended up being regular tag champs anyway, they would have defended the belt, I guess. Uh, no, it's not needed. No. They'll, they'll have more time than the women's tag team champions on the main roster. It'll be better used. Yeah, okay. It will be, but I mean... I'm just saying that's, that's the bars on the floor. So it, you step it over. Is. It is. So, But I mean, they won't be the least used belts in the company, so that's a plus. And then we have uh, Johnny Gargano versus Bronson Reed. I don't know how he did it, man. But Johnny, I'll say right, he had the best match at TakeOver either night. Again, and we didn't know his opponent till the day before. And I was like, Bronson Reed, not that Bronson Reed's not bad, not good. But I was just like, I don't know how he's going to work with Johnny. He hasn't had that many bangers in NXT. I understand he did good stuff on the Indies, but I was like, he hasn't shown anything here yet. I was like, all right, let's see if Johnny could do it. Fuck, Johnny did it again. You didn't even put Johnny on your pole. No, because the reason why I didn't for the best match wasn't because I didn't want to. It was because I would end up having to leave the women off, and I would have caught shit for that because you can only put four people in a pole. So I was like, three. Uh, I know I did three. If I would have done oh, four. Yeah, then the women would have been the only one excluded. Right, and everybody like, why are you leaving the women off? So I was like, no, let me not do this. Let me put the three main matches that we're talking about, and that's the only reason why I did it. That's but, funny. um... <laughs> Yeah, look, man, this Johnny delivers again. And Bronson Reed with a 100-pound weight difference, I mean, Johnny once again brings you to a fantastic match. And which, fuck it, it wasn't my favorite match of the night, my second favorite. But it immediately started my conversation, which is still going on social media at this very moment. Is Johnny Gargano the best wrestler that has ever been in NXT? As soon as I saw this match, yeah. I mean, it was before this match. He is the best wrestler in NXT history. And listen, Finn is great. Finn is a great character. This title run was great. Um, He doesn't have the matches Gargano has. He doesn't, to his credit. He doesn't have the feuds Gargano has. That first run 
really was dominated by the demon entrances. Yeah. We're keeping it a buck. This run, he earned it with his wrestling. But yeah, no, he's not, he's not Johnny wrestling. John, Johnny has never had a mediocre takeover match. And uh, Johnny and DIY had as many bangers as solo Johnny. Thank this no, is what I was trying to even, get to. It's not even close. Yeah. So I, I asked that question, and then a lot of the homies like, well, it's Balor or Adam Cole. And I'm like, all right, you guys wanted to be sports entertained. Now, this is not to diminish Balor's work or Adam Cole. I think they've been great. Come on, man. Listen, Johnny Gargano has had bangers. There is not one person in NXT. Now, if you want to use the Meltzer ratings, because, you know, it's the standard or whatever for a lot of people. Gargano even, has more. Even though, by the way. Real quick, Meltzer seems to think all Puerto Ricans steal cars yeah, and, yeah. you know, know how to fucking take cars apart. But whatever. Sure. Yeah, it's good standard. Yeah. Uh, you know, you guys know I've done Meltzer show a couple times. I'm going to have to have a conversation with Dave. Um, you let him know you know a Puerto Rican. And I could barely change a fucking tire. But continue. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if you look on those ratings, Gargano has the most four and a half and up matches out of anybody in NXT. Shit, might be out of anybody in WWE at this point in over the past few years. Gargano not only has Andrade, not only has a Champa series, not only has had great matches with the likes of Ricochet, the likes of, you know, with Cole. Come on, man, the Cole matches? Like, what? When he won the title? Even the two out of three falls, you know how I felt about that. And I, I know what we're getting to with this, but that final that final match where we were there, Cal, come on. Oh, yo, we were losing Did our we, shit. Like, it was crazy. That match. The best, yeah, the best feud that's been in NXT was Gargano and Ciampa. Yep. I don't care what anybody says. There's been great feuds. And, you know, even, even though Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens was great, it was very short. They put the rocket on Kevin's back quick yep. and got him out of NXT. Well-deserved, too, because he was just too good for that shit. But Gargano's had the best feud, but then you brought it up, the DIY matches. Bradley didn't have, like, him and Samoa Joe won the Dusty Cup. They weren't delivering bangers like DIY and fucking FTR. No. I mean, like, Johnny has five-star tag matches. This, this is crazy to think that people are saying, Bal like, Balor, the demon character, was great. And I know you guys want to say, like, the match with Nakamura. I don't remember it. But I can remember all these, like Gargano and Andrade. I remember when they booked this match. And I was like, why are we booking this match? Yep. There wasn't a whole lot of story. And then the match happened. And it might be the best match that we've had in NXT. Might be. That, Close. That I mean, it's, it's up there. I like Cole Johnny better, but that's just me. Well, the, and the, there's my third thing. There are people that brought up Cole. People that brought up Champa. People that brought up Finn. You know what the common denominator is? Johnny Gargano. Yes. Bangers every with all single, of them. Every single one of them, their best match was with Johnny Gargano. You, As much as you love Adam Cole, we all love Adam Cole. Yep. Who was his best match against? Johnny Gargano. Tommaso Ciampa, he was hot, super white hot as a heel. Who was his best match with? Johnny Gargano. Gargano. Andrade, who was his best match with? Johnny Gargano. FTR. With their best matches with Johnny Gargano and Smash Champa. Yeah, I think it was the Eels had a banger with like American Alpha. I think, yeah, dude, there was some wild shit in there, yo. Like, I don't, 
I'd have this, to go through the whole Johnny Cattle. It's insane. It's insane man, the matches he's had. He doesn't miss. What was the last takeover? The last takeover, he fucking crushed it. Wasn't that Balor? No. That was a takeover before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though him and Balor was a great match. Yes, yes. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but man, it's he doesn't miss. He, he just he does not miss ever. And look, somebody said Sami Zayn. I was like, that's a good one. The Sami Zayn Nakamura match, it might be the other best NXT match of all time. That yeah. match was incredible. But and I love Sammy, but I think Gargano has time every single time he shows up. They get, that's why I made the joke about, oh, we'll just give you Bronson Reed, because they know. You can put Johnny Gargano anywhere on the card, and we've learned this. He's going to deliver against anybody. It's, it's almost like a joke now. It's like it's, He's almost like the Daniel Bryan where you just go, just put him in there with anybody. It's going to be a fucking good match. Yeah. He, look, y'all can argue with me. Y'all might love Finn Balor, but y'all, y'all can't tell me that Finn has more classics or near classics than Johnny Gargano. You can't. Johnny had a banger with the Authors of Pain. Yes. It's part of DIY. That shit was fire. And the authors of pain weren't like they were just two big guys that couldn't really do a whole lot. Yep. But Chomp and Gargano brought it out of them. And the other thing is, the, the other point I want to make about Gargano is he has managed to be just as good wrestling as a heel as he has been a babyface. They was concerned. You remember, I was concerned. I don't know about this Gargano heel turn, but it worked. Yeah. They, he, like he, he's look, man, they got to, y'all got to stop. Don't disrespect Johnny. Oh, that was Gargano Kushida, by the way. Oh, yes. Takeover Vengeance Day. That guess what? Kushida's best match on NXT. It is. Period. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just, it's just, he is the common denominator in every great match. And that, look, uh, O'Reilly and and Cole and blah blah. Say what you want. Baker against Damian Priest. Oh yes. Yeah, the, the man is killing it. it killing he's, it. He's the best man to ever wrestling NXT, period. Because he's been here forever, and he keeps doing it every time, no matter where he's at. Champ, not champ, heel, babyface, tag team, does it all. And I think he's going to be a lifer. He needs to be. There's no room for him on Raw SmackDown. He's buried immediately. He's Ch- Him and Chad Gable will be a tag team, and they'll be wrestling on main event. Oh, yeah. That's one hell of a tag team. But, yeah, yeah, I get yeah, it. You know what it is. <laughs> um, so, main event. No, we're not even there yet. No, um, Co-main, Karrion Cross versus Finn Balor. <sighs> I like the entrances. I like the entrance by Karrion Cross. Um, I didn't mind the outfit. It's takeover. Like, how else are you supposed to make a man who just wears black trunks special? Don't know. So I was like, all right, cool. Fuck it. Give me that. Take out. I like that. And I think the match was laid out how it had to be laid out. I, I think it showed me more from Finn than it did carry because Finn was believable doing, you know, with his strikes, with his submissions against the bigger just guy carrying cross who's known for this. They've shown nothing but MMA training out of cross. And Finn stepped up to that plate working on the arm. I, I thought it, it was good. It was edgy. It's hard hitting. It wasn't just the same Stupid moveset regurgitated by Finn, which, by the way, in his first run as champ, we just saw the same thing. The same exact moveset over and over and over. Yes. This run has been completely different. Every opponent, him and Kyle O'Reilly's match did not look like this. 
No. Like every match he's had, him and Adam Cole did not look like this or Kyle Rock. Like every match he's had has been so different. And I liked it. And this was good. And personally, yes, I like Karrion Cross choking people the fuck out to end the match. But I like the ending with just brutal ground and pound by Karrion Cross. Yeah, Forearm to the back of the neck to end it. Fuck it. It was MMA style all the way through. You let it rock with it being like brutal. And the big brute just overcomes Finn. Yeah, this was this was much better than I thought it would be. Um, Karrion Cross hasn't really had a great match since he came to NXT. We've seen him work in like FCW and you know FSW. I'm sorry, a few other places, but you know Impact. But we ha- he hasn't really had a great match, right? Like the the Keith Lee match mm, wasn't that great, and he kind of just squashed everybody else. He came into this match as the brute, and whoever was the agent for this match. If it was Finn and Karen who came up with this match, or if somebody else like Shawn Michaels or Triple H or somebody was involved, they were brilliant. The psychology of this match was on point because Balor, being the seasoned veteran, you're right, used the strikes, tried, countered everything. He did. He used his opponent's aggression against them, caught him in submissions, and he kind of laughed at him, fucked with him. Balor did everything right, and Cross, to his credit, he played it well. Because he, he was getting outsmarting. You could see he was getting frustrated. And he was trying to power his way out of stuff. And it just wasn't working. And he had to catch Balor slipping, basically, for any, for any of this to matter. But Balor's still the champ. This, 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 the psychology of this match was A1. Because, again, if, if this would have been just your average Balor match, your average cross match, I wouldn't have cared. I'd have been like, it's cool. So much better than I thought it was. And you, the nice little transition towards the end where Balor hits a coup de grace, goes for the pin, cross rolls him up into the rear naked choke, Balor rolls out, double foot stomp, um, and then just Cross catches him, finally yeah. catches him. And, th- and the best part is he doesn't give what, – what Cross had figured out in this match, if you watch it, Cross used to make the mistake. And I don't know if they did this on purpose. It was just something I noticed. When Cross wrestled everybody else, if he hits you with a power move, he kind of flexes and pulls. It's like a, fi- a fighter admiring his work. He does yeah. it a lot. And when he did it against Finn, they gave Finn enough space to attack. That final stretch, Cross was just like, I'm not giving him room to breathe. I'm going to hit him with this side Saito suplex, crush him with these forearms to the back of the head and finish the job. Like once, for whatever reason, Scarlett like hulked him up to get out of that abdominal stretch, it was over. But it was done in a way that it felt like he knew the sense of urgency because he didn't want Ballard to get a second win. This match was really good really yeah. good i enjoyed I, it i, I just looked it. up the names of producers on nxt currently and uh outside of road dog who's recovering from a heart attack um one name that jumped out to me i don't know if he produced it or not but man's in the building fit finley yeah fits fits had a lot of to do with some of these finishes it's like, i don't know it reminds me of a fit finley match like, yeah. if I had to, like, put it, like, oh, yeah, they beat them. Like, this is kind of, like, some family type shit. Yeah. Like, th- this is just – this was a well-put-together match. Um, I don't know how well Cross will ha- carry this title. It almost feels still kind of premature in a way. Because I don't know who else he can have really great matches with. But we'll see. We'll there's see. plenty of people. I don't know if there's plenty of baby faces. And yeah. alas, there's the problem. Like – I we'll talk about the main event, but after that, I kind of think Kyle O'Reilly has to be next. 
even though he just yeah. fought Finn and couldn't win, right? Like, he, I don't know what baby faces are positioned for that. Yeah, I can't right. find them. I don't know either. Like, uh, no, Cross already killed uh, Bronson Reed. I forgot about that. So, yeah, yeah. nerfed him. Yeah, I, I don't know. And Bronson just lost for a lesser title. Yeah, I, dog, you're right. I don't. They have a baby face issue. They got a lot of heels. A ton of heels. A ton of really good heels. But yeah. outside of Kyle O'Reilly right now, I don't know. And he's, prior to this main event, lost back-to-back title matches against Finn. So unless you paint it, they can't win the big one. But are you really going to let him win the big run against Karrion Cross? Yeah, this this is interesting that you bring this up. I mean, they're kind of in this space where, you know, WrestleMania is coming up and, you know, the, the shakeup. They can afford to send a couple people down. Your boy Ricochet needs to come back to NXT. He'll, oh, probably, take- get nerfed. He'll probably get nerfed by Karrion Cross. But between him and Aleister Black and, like, all the talent that's being misused on SmackDown and Raw. Oh, my God. Give me Aleister Black versus Karrion Cross. Just give me a program. They, yeah, they can, afford, they can afford to send a guy or two down. Berta Carrillo ain't doing nothing. Angel Garza ain't doing nothing. Like, yes. Oh, that's the perfect one. Like, imagine, like, Cross is talking his shit. You know, he, he still has, like, the mystical air with Scarlet. And then you just, the music hits. You get the coffin that rises. That's Alistair Black. Live crowd. Oh, that's a banger. That's some shit for Tuesday. You want to move to Tuesday and feel great? You give me that. Yeah, like people want Black back, and 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 yeah, I know there's gonna be some people like, well, you send them down, you're gonna block up. No, you're not, because if if they would have done what I suggested, you could have put again Cameron Grimes and all those guys in the two in the cruiserweight picture. Yeah, you could find other people for Gargano. But Cross and Black, it's a fucking no-brainer. Black's not doing anything. No. He's no, a yeah, former right. champion. Everybody forgot about him. Yep. And that's just stylistically a match that works. Yeah. Just striking, just it's similar to Finn. Like he needs he could use that reset. Finn, I'm not sure where you go from. If he just likes NXT, you can keep him there. And there's other programs. If not, you couldn't move him back up if there's a legit plan for him to do something. No, there's not. Keep him in NXT. I've enjoyed this fan. There's no use for him on the main roster. Yeah, you gotta get a reset. Like, if this was a reset, then you move him back up. We'd be like, cool, like we've reset you. If not, then yeah, don't fuck with him. Just let him be happy. Um, and just give him another few. Because again, it's not a lot of baby faces. Keep them around. And then we have main event unsanctioned match between Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. I will immediately let me give you the time first 40 minutes 10 seconds jesus christ i think this is a lie if you tell me it's anything under an hour i'm just saying i'm calling your bluff it was way too long and unlike a lot of people on the internets they are hyping up oh my god it's amazing this match was perfect to me i mean i switched over to blood sport at one point trying to catch some of the boxing match um came back and it was still going like Kyle O'Reilly's moveset and what this match ended up being, which is no no knock on him, but it doesn't lend itself to unsanctioned. This could have been a normal match and it would have done the same thing for me. What are you missing? A chair and a chain? Like, it's... I, I don't get why it had to be unsanctioned, and unsanctioned made me expect a lot more. Adam Cole's going home tonight. 
And his wife is going to be like, eh, my unsanctioned match was better. I had half the time. Like, really, yeah. I put in the group chat. I was like, yo, they gave you an hour and you didn't bleed? Like, Britt Baker's looking at him like, eh, that shit wasn't unsanctioned. Like, I just did it unsanctioned. Like, it, yeah. so it's, it could have been a normal match. And it would have played out exactly the same. That's my only gripe with it. It was okay. If Gargano didn't have your match of the weekend, what was? Because we keep going down this list. I said Cross and Balor. Oh, Cross and Balor is the match. Yeah, weekend. that was my favorite match. Okay. Favorite match, TakeOver. Um, or oh, TakeOver, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's too much wrestling this week. I'm watching Bloodsport as we're discussing this. and this So is am I. Good. Yeah, I'm watching uh, Moxie just <laughs> eat elbows. Oh, I, haven't got, I haven't got to Moxie. Like, yeah, I watched Leo Rush, and I was like, this is this is pretty good shit. I'm watching oh, okay. Chavo right now. I'm watching um, Moxley and Bardet right now. I just watched so, the entire thing. So when you do an unsanctioned, this is my problem. It's always my issue with, like, these gimmick matches. Like, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, is a great, it's a great blood feud. But – it's not necessarily the rivalry that Champion Gargano was. And Champion Gargano went balls to the wall in that match. Pulling over the apron, air raid through the table. Like, it was nuts. This match felt unsanctioned, kind of. It started off with a bunch of wrestling moves. Nothing I'm mad at wrestling. Just felt weird to have wrestling when you have a blood feud. When usually when you have a blood feud, they just start chucking hands at each other and looking for weapons. Yep. And I kind of wanted that in blood. I think you always need blood in an unsanctioned match. This could have just been a no-holds-barred match. No DQ match. You could have called it a no-DQ match, and I'd be like, all right, cool. Yeah. When you, when you called it an unsanctioned match, which means it doesn't count to what I don't know. You don't have a ranking system, so I don't know what you're not counting. You put the referee in the black shirt. Ooh, it's unsanctioned. But you got, it's, it's, it was fine. But then there just came a point where I was like, oh, yeah, this is, this is long. This is like a really long match. And I'll tell you the exact moment where I said it. The moment where Adam Cole rolls into the ring with a steel chair. The referee chides him for having a steel chair in an unsanctioned match. Cole's yeah. like, what the fuck are you doing? And he hits the referee. <laughs> After he hits the referee, he, what did he, he landed? Panama he Sunrise. Panama Sunrise? Yeah. Then he rolls over to the referee and was like, what are you doing, you idiot? And I'm like, you knocked him out. <laughs> what do you expect, right? Like, what did you expect? You knocked him out. And this was the very moment that I was like, oh, this match is too long because it's not over. They just hit the halfway point of the match when this happened. They rolled to the outside. There's a spot where O'Reilly, like, debates whether he's going to brain buster Cole on the stairs, which Cole actually does to him later. They have to go through the, the ramp spot. There's, you know, the chain. All right, they use the chain. It was cool. Man, this match was long, and it didn't. You're right. It just didn't feel like I gotta kill you. I have to end no. you. It didn't feel like that. It felt like, you know, Cole's talking did him in. Oh, God, give them back their music. This should have been a match for the understanding. Oh God, yeah. Like, listen, Kyle O'Reilly's new music is not horrible. So my boy Jeff said it was Streets of Rage music, and I, that popped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really is. Um. No, Adam Cole's is atrocious. Like he went for the boom. There's no boom. Yeah, it was, the music. he did it. Everybody was confused. Like, yeah, they had people in this place, and it was just like, what? Like, what is going on? Who's yeah. who's playing this music? Like, no, it it looks like the music I have to use when I don't have rights to something, and I gotta like take the music bed off of it and then put generic music on the bottom. Oh yeah, I know what that's all. Like. So, I know that life. Yeah, so like that's. That's what I felt. Like someone was secretly playing the Undisputed Era theme and Cole actually walked out 
to like the real music, but they didn't have the right. So they just dubbed it over with some random ass song because he hit the same marks. It just didn't fit with the music at all. Yeah, so, that's some New Japan shit. Yeah. When New Japan does that. And you're like, what the hell is this music? But that's yeah. so anyway. Wild shit. This, this match, um, the end, I thought the final stretch was good. That last five minutes, you know, and O'Reilly nails Cole with the, the knee wrapped in the chain on the, the chair. I thought it was, it was a good spot. But man, they could have shaved a good 10, 15 minutes off of this match, left the wrestling holes early on in the match alone, and I'd have been fine with it. But because it was too long, and because, you know, it was just too long. And it wasn't as violent as I wanted it to be. And uh, my editor at uh, Sporting News was like, you wanted it to be more violent. He's not like a wrestling guy. So he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, listen, man, this, it just, they, there need to be more blood. They like, it's unsanctioned. <laughs> like, give me blood, give me violence. So it was fine. I don't, don't know if they have a rematch after this. I don't know if they do the Gargano Ciampa and just keep going. I kind of don't think they need to. It doesn't feel like that. And I really don't know what you do with Roger Strong. He came out with a Creative Wrestler 3 music last week, and I was like, oh, it's over for you, buddy. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Roddy versus Cole next. Okay. I, when, when's Bobby Fish come back? And then what does he do? He get hurt again, um, I guess? Yeah, I mean, they just, fuck it. You can't even plan for him no more. So it's just right. whatever. He's the, talk about a jobber. He's the job. Um, but no, so listen, we're, we're switching it up on this show to not be like Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. We're not going to go super long. <laughs> We're not going to go past our time. Um, we've decided to end the show here and then drop a special WrestleMania preview episode. So you guys are listening to this. Don't worry. We're still talking WrestleMania and we'll put it out. I'd probably say Saturday morning. So you guys can listen to it before we have Saturday and Sunday of WrestleMania. So don't worry about that. You'll still be getting all of our WrestleMania predictions, but we had to give the correct time to NXT and we had to start the show by talking about DMX. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. There's more to come instead of one show, you guys get two now. So you guys could be happy. I feel like we started off Dre by saying everything doesn't need to be two nights. Well, Fuck it. We're making the podcast two nights. It's the theme of this year. So hopefully you guys listen to both. We appreciate you all. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore on Twitter at Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Follow me at Kel Dansby, him on Andreas Hale on all platforms. Check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes on adfreeshows.com. Great episode coming up there as well. We appreciate you all. Stay safe. Continue to enjoy this wrestling weekend. We'll be back, like I said, tomorrow with a full WrestleMania preview. Until then, we're out. Peace. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support because we know you have people depending on you so you can always depend on us. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.